You're listening to Comedy Central. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah. Today is Thursday, the 19th of November, which means there's only 62 days left until 900 hours of Sean Hannity episodes get deleted from the White House DVR. Anyway, coming up on tonight's show, Rudy Giuliani has the worst hair day of all time, why you should put a face mask on your Thanksgiving turkey, and Bill Gates joins me on the show. So let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. Okay, before we get into the serious news, I wanted to kick things off with an adorable story that'll almost definitely be turned into a second-rate Christmas special next year. Well, it may just be New York's unofficial new holiday mascot, a small owl found inside the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. Yeah, inside the tree, a worker setting up the tree found it tucked away in the branches. Look at it as a small bird. It's called a sawwood owl. It's the smallest in the Northeast, now recovering at the Ravensbeard Wildlife Center in Saugerties. And it's already getting lots of love and attention, even has its own Twitter page, by the way, that someone set up on its behalf. Very nice. And its own little turtleneck, too. (laughs) Oh my God. Can we just take a second to appreciate how freaking cute this owl is? He's so cute that Baby Yoda's probably put a hit on him as we speak. In fact, he's so cute, I want one. You know what? I want, yeah, I want, I'm gonna go get a little owl right now. Ah, ah, that was a mistake. Owls are not pets. (laughs) But still guys, what a fun story. An owl hitched a ride to New York City. Although I guess it looks different if you're the owl. I mean, from the owl's perspective, we just moved his house without permission. You know, one night he was living in the woods, the next morning he's suddenly paying Manhattan rents. Not to mention, that poor owl is used to snacking on field mice, but in New York, the only thing to hunt are the rats, which are 10 times the size of that owl. That rat's gonna be looking up like, hey, just so we're clear, who's eating who over here? I gotta eat you, you're gonna eat me. Also. I don't like the idea of giving this owl a Twitter account, all right? Because we like the owl now. But once we start reading those tweets, mmm, wow, owl lives matter, unfollow. But let's move on to Donald Joe Biden beat my ass Trump. None of his legal efforts to undo the election have been working. So now he's trying a different approach. You might remember that yesterday, two Republican election officials in Michigan tried to throw out votes from the entire city of Detroit. And then they had to be shamed into backing down. Well, it turns out that wasn't the end of the story. Breaking overnight, two Republican election officials in Michigan have changed their minds again. First, they refused to certify the election results in Wayne County. Then they agreed to certify them. But now they're trying to rescind that decision despite a lack of evidence. And we are now learning that President Donald Trump actually called both of them following that controversial meeting. Trump's campaign has long been pressuring Georgia Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Anytime that Trump targets a person publicly, they get death threats and they have to get security. Raffensperger and his wife have received death threats in recent days, including a text to him that read, you better not botch this recount, your life depends on it. Arizona Democratic Secretary of State Katie Hobbs says she too has faced ongoing and escalating threats of violence. This video shows a group of apparent Trump supporters outside Hobbs' house at night chanting, quote, we are watching you. That's right, people. 
Donald Trump, president of the United States, is working to overturn the election. And people, can we agree, this is not normal. Seeing Donald Trump work, I mean, that's not normal. But it's happening. Trump is personally, listen to this, Trump is personally calling election officials and targeting them in public, hoping to pressure them into overturning the election results, which I don't care who you are is deeply disturbing because before now, he was at least pursuing his claims through the courts. Yeah, it wasn't fun, but it was legal. You know, it's the difference between camping on a spawn point in Call of Duty and smashing the controller on your brother's head. One is bad sportsmanship, the other is assault. And the president's supporters aren't even sending anonymous death threats, which makes sense in a way because Trump himself wouldn't be able to threaten anyone anonymously. You know, he'd blow his cover right away. If you don't overturn the results, you're gonna be in big trouble, tremendous trouble. People tell me all the time, wow, what tremendous trouble he's in. Mr. President, I know that's you. No, it's not. It's not me. It's Bonald. But this shows you that there's no winning when it comes to Donald Trump. If he doesn't like you, you get death threats. If he does like you, well, then he gives you COVID. And while the president's team is still fighting the election in court, it's become clear that even that strategy isn't really just about pursuing legal options. The Washington Post's Bob Costa reports that Giuliani's team knows the president can't win and instead are trying to make sure the vote is not certified. Quote, their end game to try to force it to the House. There's a legal game that they're playing. If they can tie this up in court, if they can create enough doubt, then they are hoping that the states just won't certify the election. And if the states don't certify these elections, it goes to the House of Representatives where Donald Trump has a very good chance of being named president of the United States. So there's a, there's a legal uh, trick that they're trying to pull here, throw enough garbage in, in everybody's face that maybe these elections don't get certified, he can steal it in the House. Just to be clear, Trump's lawyers are now reportedly telling people that they don't need to win in court. They just need to create a situation that is so messy, Republican legislatures will step in and overturn people's votes. And again, forgive me here, but it's so astounding to me that America's laws can even allow this kind of thing to happen. I mean, there's all these safeguards, double checks, protections for every single vote, but then if the legislature is a different party than the winner, they can just be like, nah, we're just gonna pick our guy instead. That is wild. It's like if you set up two-factor authentication for all your accounts, but then you give your phone to Vladimir Putin for safekeeping. Yeah, don't worry, I make sure that you don't have too many Pornhub accounts. And look, it's extremely unlikely that any of this will work. Although, a lot of extremely unlikely things have happened recently. I mean, if you had told me two years ago that the next Wonder Woman movie would be going straight to HBO Max, I would have said, what's HBO Max? Actually, I'm, I'm still saying that. What is HBO Max? Like, is, is that the same as HBO Go? Or is that HBO Now? Or is it like both of them? Like, do I have it? Am I on it? But on the other hand, what might save America from Donald Trump trying to overthrow the government is that it's Donald Trump trying to overthrow the government. Because his people are not known for being that great at what they do. I mean, just today, Rudy Giuliani, the president's personal lawyer and something kids fear is in the closet, gave a press conference to explain why Donald Trump actually won the election, right? That's what he was doing. 
He's trying to explain to us why Donald Trump actually won the election that we all saw him lose. But we couldn't pay attention to this conspiracy theory because we were all distracted by this. Many of the absentee ballots were fraudulent, and they knew that. And they didn't want to have a count to that. 200% of the registered voters in a district vote. What does that mean? In the states that we have indicated in red, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nevada, and Arizona, we more than double the number of votes needed to overturn the elections. All you got to do to find out if I'm misleading you at all is to look at the lawsuits. That's the reason why he probably didn't have to go out and campaign. Okay. I know that this could be the end of American democracy, but guys, this shit is hilarious. I mean, Trump always said that he had leakers in his administration, but I don't know it was this bad. What the hell was going on with Rudy? Honest question. Was, was his hair dye dripping? Was his brain shitting itself? Honestly, I didn't even know that sideburns got periods. You know your legal strategy is f***ed up when even your hair starts crying about it. It was going down both his cheeks. This dude was growing a chin strap beard in real time. And look, I'm not gonna lie, part of me feels bad for Rudy <laughs> because this was the biggest press conference of his life, his big chance to get Donald Trump another term as president and his hair ruined the entire moment. Can you imagine if Abraham Lincoln was reading the Emancipation Proclamation and his beard just walked away? People would have been like, hey, yo, yo, yo. Yeah, man, forget about the slaves, man. Yo, yo your chin hair just bounced, B. Yeah, you gotta you got look at that shit. But maybe this is the perfect combination of evil and ridiculous to end the Trump era. I think it's perfect. Because think about it. If someone said in 2016 that this whole thing would end with Rudy Giuliani openly plotting a coup against the government, but no one would take him seriously because he had hair dye running down his face the entire time, you'd be like, yeah, you know what? It sounds about right. All right, we're gonna take a short break, but when we come back, we'll talk about what changes people are making to Thanksgiving this year to save grandma's life. And after that, Bill Gates is joining me on the show. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Thanksgiving is the day you remember which of your uncles is weird. All right, it's all of them. But with the pandemic here, America is treating Thanksgiving a little bit differently. And we'll find out how different in our special segment, Thanksgiving in the time of Corona. With Thanksgiving just a week away, this is the time of year when Americans would normally be fighting over whether to get the canned cranberry sauce or the good canned cranberry sauce. But in Corona, the big question is whether to have Thanksgiving at all. There's no place like home for the holidays and that indulgent Thanksgiving feast with friends and family. But coast to coast, cases of the coronavirus are on the rise and travel plans are changing. In a recent survey, 47% of Americans say they're going to cancel. There is growing concern the upcoming Thanksgiving holiday could turn into a super spreader event. New York City's Mayor Bill de Blasio just announcing that the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade will go virtual this year. Some experts are calling the hundreds of thousands of college students traveling across the country for the holidays, quote, little ticking time bombs. Oh yeah. This is the perfect holiday week for Corona. Young people come home from colleges 
party together indoors in their hometown and then hang out with their oldest relatives, you best believe Corona's already lining up right now like it's a Black Friday sale on grandparents. And let's be honest, Corona would just be one more shitty thing that kids bring home from college because college kids only bring stuff home that nobody wants. Piles of dirty laundry, shitty taste in beer, their new boyfriend who starts every sentence with, well, according to Nietzsche... Shut up and pass the mashed potatoes, Beckett. Honestly, I think they should just cancel the parade altogether. Why would I want to watch a virtual balloon of SpongeBob when I can just watch the actual SpongeBob? In fact, why am I even talking to you now when I could be watching SpongeBob? <laughs> Squidward, you never win. <laughs> but even with the pandemic, many people don't wanna cancel Thanksgiving altogether. And the good news, people, is that you don't need to cancel Thanksgiving as long as you take some simple precautions. If you have no choice but to have dinner indoors, be sure to open the windows. And really let that outdoor air circulate in. It'll get nice and cold, but you're also gonna get a lot of air exchange and it'll really create that outdoor environment indoors. Eat at separate tables if dining inside. Of course, the safest Thanksgiving is going to be spent virtually apart, but together, and Zoom is trying to help out with that. They're gonna be lifting their 40-minute time limit on free video chats, so your Thanksgiving video calls can go on for as long as you like. Whoa, 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 whoa. Zoom is allowing unlimited calls? Do they not realize how much they are screwing us over? People, that 40-minute time limit was a get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah, you can thank Zoom this year when you're on a three-hour call with your cousin explaining his foot surgery. You see, Trevor, it's called a metatarsal. And in the foot, there are many bones. The smaller they can break a fracture. And connected to that one, it's the meniscus through the Achilles tendon, which can be pulled slightly. And then that can create a problem. But the doctor said, the doctor said what? We can fix it. But a lot of these suggestions are smart, all right? Like opening the windows is a great idea. It improves ventilation and social distancing. Because you see, once the room is freezing and the food is all cold, everyone will get back in their cars and go home. In fact, I also have an idea for a safe Thanksgiving. Instead of playing your annual touch football game, keep social distance by playing paintball. Also, don't tell anyone else that you're playing paintball. Yeah, if you're the only one with a paintball gun, you automatically win. Of course, a smaller guest list just means a smaller turkey. And weird as it seems, even that is creating a problem this year health officials are really urging people to pass on that big, traditional, large family gathering. And that has actually led to a weird dilemma. There's a run on small turkeys. Turkeys that are 10 to 14 pounds are in high demand right now, with consumers reporting picked over freezer cases with only 20-pound birds left behind. That has created a shortage of smaller birds. Since the growth time of a turkey starts in the summer, it's hard to control their size. They're going to grow at the pace they're going to grow at. And you can't say, okay, guys, um, we're gonna put you on a diet. That just doesn't work. All right, everybody, we did it. We discovered the most American problem of all time. You're worried that even your food is too overweight? And yeah, that farmer is right. You cannot put a turkey on a diet. But what you can do is tell them that their high school reunion is coming up. Best believe they'll be eating salad with dressing on the side for a month. Also, how would a turkey diet even work? Okay, guys, listen up. This is called a juice cleanse, right? For a week, you're all gonna be drinking lemon juice with like cayenne 
pepper and you know what? It just seems more normal on Instagram. Now that I'm saying it to you in real life, it feels strange. <laughs> but listen here, America, everybody has to eat the big turkeys, please. Because if we don't eat the big turkeys this year, that means they're only gonna get bigger next year. Then, by the next year, we'll be wrestling the turkey over who goes in the oven. <laughs> and finally, there's one more way that Corona is making Thanksgiving more difficult than usual. If the whole family isn't gathering at grandma's house this year, that means they can't just make grandma do all the cooking. With more people staying home for Thanksgiving, more Americans will be cooking at home for the first time, and some of them are stressed. A new survey by Campbell's shows that one in five home cooks are gonna be first-time Thanksgiving hosts, and two-thirds of Americans are dreading the possibility of an epic cooking fail. And with more amateur cooks hitting the kitchen this year, one firefighter says it could be a recipe for disaster. It's easy to see how they get distracted. They walk away from a stove top, they walk away from an oven, and the next thing you know, is we have a disaster. If culinary arts isn't your calling, then cooking a Thanksgiving turkey can be tricky. That's why Whole Foods has teamed up with Progressive Insurance to provide their first ever Thanksgiving turkey protection plan. If you have a turkey cooking fail, Whole Foods is offering a $35 gift card as insurance. All customers will need a receipt, a picture of the failed turkey, and an explanation of what went wrong. So Whole Foods actually wants a picture of a failed turkey? My only question is, will they accept one of the presidents of the United States? <laughs> but for real though, man, you could not have a better embodiment of the problems facing America than right here, right? On a day when people gather during a deadly pandemic to binge eat, it's the turkey that has a solid insurance plan. This is why I play it safe and microwave my turkey. Yeah, it's quick, it's easy, and you can use all that extra time that you save to deal with the salmonella that you contract. But it looks like corona or not, America is gonna find some way to celebrate Thanksgiving this year. But please, no matter how you do it, just try and be as safe as you can because this pandemic is no joke. And the most important thing about Thanksgiving is making sure that you're around for the next one. All right, when we come back, Bill Gates will tell me why the internet thinks that he's trying to brainwash all of us. You don't wanna miss it. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. So earlier today, I spoke to Bill Gates. We talked about the coronavirus, when the vaccine would arrive, and how long it'll be before we're back in the streets kissing strangers again. Bill Gates, welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Good to see you. You last joined us on the show, I would say it was about seven months ago. And seven months ago, just like Dr. Fauci, you said you were worried because you felt like the worst was yet to come. A lot of people accused you of peddling fear and terror. And now it appears that unfortunately you were correct. Here's my question to you. Why does it seem like we've become worse at handling the pandemic, you know, in Europe or in the US than we were seven months ago when seven months ago it was so bad? Well, there's a couple things working against us. First is that uh, with the winter, uh, when we're colder, uh, we, the virus multiplies more and we're indoors more. So that is not a good thing. And then there's a certain fatigue. Some of the things people have 
had to do in terms of staying away from friends, uh, that's tougher. I have to say this round, it looks like Europe is getting better compliance with the restrictions than the US is. And so they're starting to see a downturn. When you talk about that compliance and when you talk about the downturn, is part of the downturn, like, should we, should we be looking at the virus cases or should we be looking at the deaths? Because I never know which one is more important. You know, the news will be like a million more people, two million, five million, seven million. And then you'll see some doctors saying, yes, but fewer people are dying from it because we know how to treat it. How should we be looking at this virus and the fight that we have against it? Well, the cases are the leading indicator. It is true that uh, cases are translating into less deaths uh, for two reasons. One is that the cases are more in the young people uh, who are less likely to be very sick. And the other is that the quality of treatment, including some new drugs like dexamethasone, have been proven out. So when you do get hospitalized, you have a higher uh, chance of survival. But, uh, you know, we're predicted to go back up to over 2,000 deaths a day in the months ahead. So for the next six to eight months, the news is mostly bad. Uh, after that, the the volume of the vaccine will have kicked in and uh, then we'll have, uh, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Wow. I mean, the, the question is then I think for a lot of people is like, how long is that tunnel? How bad does that tunnel get? And how do we stop it from being the worst possible tunnel? Um, one of the big things a lot of people are worried about is going to be the transition between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, you know, uh, You've worked with governments all over the world, working on their vaccine distribution, working on healthcare around the planet. You know how important it is for one administration to talk to the next when it comes to um, handing off on their plans. How much do you think this will actually affect America's response if, if there isn't a transition? Well, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, the current administration got tied into a positive narrative that, you know, we're turning the corner uh, and that you now have this transition. It'll make thing, the messages a little less clear. You know, this is when you'd love to see the best CDC people on TV reminding us about social distancing and masks, uh, you know, and particularly when uh, there is that fatigue out there. So leaders at all level, this is a chance to step up, even on politicians, you know, encouraging friends, uh, that, hey, we, you know, we don't want this additional several hundred thousand deaths. You know, it'd be right. tragic to be the last person uh, who dies, you know, when the vaccine is absolutely on the way. Uh, and, you know, so I, I think the good news should drive compliance, not lax laxity. As somebody who's done work globally around healthcare for so long, especially around infectious diseases, what have you found is the key to encouraging or convincing community members to buy into the measures that keep them safe? Well, we had uh, vaccine resistance with polio and they're getting the religious leaders uh, to speak out, to have them uh, visibly vaccinating their own children. You know, for a while it looked like we'd never stop polio uh, in Africa. And yet now it's just been certified that we've gone three years without wild polio. So. Uh, activating the trust hierarchy and getting rid of the conspiracy political element to it and just reminding people, you know, in this case, it's about saving lives. In that case, it's about kids not being paralyzed. Uh, when you get people back to that very human impact, if we don't behave well, uh, I, I think, you know, then it, it'll often come through. 
It's interesting that you bring up conspiracies because the conspiracy theories about you online have are insane on social media and social media has propagated them in a way where it's like Bill Gates is trying to create vaccines so that he can control your minds and he wants to vaccinate everybody so that he can implant. I think you're going to change people's DNA is what they said. You're going to change our DNA so that, I don't know, we turn into something and then we work for you somewhere. I don't know the full story. I'm still learning it. When you see these things, first of all, have you been able to track down where it comes from? And secondly, have you even... I, I know you think about these things. You're one of the, like, the biggest thinkers I know. Have you even thought about like the motivation behind it? Because I'm always trying to figure out who benefits from a conspiracy theory. And I'd love to know if you've put any thought to this at all because of how many people won't get a vaccine because they truly believe conspiracy theories. Yeah, usually when you work on infectious disease, uh, like Dr. Fauci and I do, you're, you know, you're kind of obscure. You know, nobody talks that much about TB or, or malaria. So here we have this, you know, complete turnaround where vaccines and, you know, are they good for people are now front and center. And there's always been a small group of anti-vaccination people. And we see this with, you know, measles vaccine. They've now got a platform and they've sort of joined forces with some political conspiracy views. And it's so easy to click on particularly when a simple explanation for this pandemic that, oh, there is somebody evil behind it, you know, is somehow uh, easier than, you know, the true biology, which is actually kind of complicated. So, you know, we have to make the truth more interesting. And, you know, we've got to label things with the truth. And sadly, the naivete about how to make social media work well is pretty strong, and that's coincided with the election and the epidemic. Uh, I wish I had the answer, but uh, you know, it's 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 out there in big, big numbers, but and hasn't it just keeps growing. So when we look at the vaccine now, I mean, that's now the story. You know, now the world is waiting for the vaccine because the vaccine becomes the key that unlocks the door, as you say, the light at the end of the tunnel. The question then is, how do people get the vaccine? How effective will the distribution method be and how difficult is that? Well, the vaccine's gonna be in short supply. The good news is that uh, there's four other vaccines that are likely to get approved fairly quickly as well. The fact that Pfizer works so well uh, makes us optimistic that AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson, Novavax, which those are much cheaper, easier to scale uh, and don't require that cold chain. So we'll have a lot of vaccines and we need to prioritize people at risk, elder people, people who work in nursing homes, uh, and each country uh, will have to decide, okay, who goes first? That's still a little bit confused in the US, but hopefully we'll get that straightened out very, very soon because the vaccine is likely to be shipped uh, a lot uh, in the month of December. As you said, the anti-vaccine community has only grown over time. I think the U.S. is now the biggest hub of anti-vaxxers in the world. It started as a fringe thing with measles. Now, with corona, it is fully-fledged. And because of politics, it's been amplified. So now you'll have some people who are on the liberal side saying, I don't trust that vaccine. It was made under Trump. And then you'll have other people saying, like, I don't trust that vaccine. That came from Joe Biden and the, and the Democrats. They're trying to brainwash us. <laughs> it's... A lot of people may not want to take the vaccine, which may now go against everything we've worked towards. So how do you begin convincing people that the vaccine is safe, um, like in the midst of this political crisis? 
Well, it's clear that the FDA went through the professional staff there, uh, all the things they're supposed to, likewise Pfizer. There's even an external committee that'll weigh in just to make absolutely sure that the, the political desire to get this quickly did not infect the uh, efficacy and safety review. And I feel very confident uh, because the people involved are, are really doing their job well. Uh, we don't need everyone to take the vaccine. Society will have to decide if there's some jobs like going to a nursing home, you know, and taking care of somebody's grandparents, that whether that person, uh, you know, how strongly you encourage them uh, to have a vaccine so they're not spreading the right. disease. Okay. But with this level of efficacy, if we can get to 75% dosed, then uh, you'll block the spread of the disease. With measles, you'd have to get to like 95% because it's even more infectious. But the good news here is that we just need that majority. And I think as people see people taking the vaccine and they see that uh, the side effects, if any, are very, very rare, uh, that confidence will build and that will be good for society because when you take the vaccine, you're helping to protect other people. Don't go away, because when we come back, we'll have more of my interview with Bill Gates. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Here is part two of my interview with Bill Gates. Let's talk about climate change, because that's another one of Bill Gates' passions, another thing Bill Gates has been doing for a long time. You have very strange hobbies. I play video games. <laughs> you do malaria and climate change. Um, but let's talk a little bit about that. How much have we, have, we, have we gone backwards in this period in terms of fighting climate change? And what do you think are some of the concrete steps that we can take that move us closer to a place where we're not just destroying our home or our place on the planet, but also acknowledging that there are people who have jobs that are tied to the current way we make energy? Well, the good news is that the awareness of this is a problem in the US is going up. Uh, our president-elect you know, cares a great deal about this issue. He may not get the full amount of money uh, that he talked about being ideal, but if we prioritize that money on innovation, new ways of making you know, cement and steel, uh, then I view it as a very solvable problem. So it's a lot like the pandemic, where innovation is what will get us out of this. We have to incent the private sector uh, particularly very inventive people uh, to give us these solutions. And we, the government owes it to us to get the best scientists, the best experts, and invest early on so that we're not getting into the problem. Because once climate change comes, you can't get out of it. There's not like a vaccine for that. Uh, so I'm really pleased that it hasn't... Uh, left the agenda of all uh, young voters uh, of both parties. And so, you know, I, I'm hoping during the next four years to make sure the prioritization of the high impact spending is there. You're right, we have to try and create new industries in any place where uh, the switch away from hydrocarbons is going to hurt the economy. Do you think maybe part of the, the problem with getting everybody on board with climate change is they hear doom and gloom, they hear the planet will be dead in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 50, you know, whatever it is, and then the planet's still around and they go like, oh, clearly this is not real. Well, when I look back and say, why didn't my warnings about the pandemic lead to more activity? Uh, 
you know, I, I have to say, I, you know, should I have made the grimness uh, even more vivid uh, or, you know, told more people that bad news? So if you want people to prepare in advance, you really do have to, at least in some way, show the, the potential negative outcomes. Right. And uh, now we can couple that with, hey, with innovation, you can create the high paying jobs and, you know, the U.S. is rich enough that we can make the transition even for the areas that are negatively affected, not uh, super severe if we're enlightened about that. Having the common base of facts, like is climate change a problem? Is it hard to solve? Uh, you know, was there really a chance of a pandemic coming? There, uh, you, you wanna build a consensus. And once you get things underway, I agree emphasizing like the heroes in the front line on the pandemic, the great scientists who right. you know, created this uh, uh, way of making vaccines. It's gonna help us with lots of other diseases, even cancer. Uh, those positive stories uh, will uh, help push us through and maintain what in the case of climate change will be a many decades of hard work to change the industrial economy so that there are no emissions and help countries poorer than us that you know can't afford a premium price. I know I'm gonna run out of time with you soon, so I wanted to chat to you about another venture that Bill Gates is uh, jumping into. And this one is interesting, because welcome to the bandwagon, Bill. <laughs> you have launched a podcast. I was like, wow, you know the pandemic is real when even Bill Gates has a podcast now. <laughs> it's official. Um, you have a really interesting podcast that you are co-hosting with Rashida Jones. I love this. You've got Bill and Rashida and you're asking big questions. And what's interesting about this is you two seem so different and it, you have many similarities. You, you know, you, you both went to Harvard, I believe, right? Um, the only difference is she actually graduated. Very so impressive. the question I have is, do you sometimes feel a little inadequate hosting with Rashida when, when, when you're a college dropout? I'm, I feel more inadequate because she is so articulate uh, and she's an artist and I'm, you know, I like to give out lots of numbers, which are just boring as heck. So uh, I thank think the word you were looking for there was nerd. I think that's what you were looking yeah, for Yeah, I'm there. the nerd. Uh, although she, uh, she likes to read too, but it, it's a good balance. I, it was a lot of fun doing it with her. Uh, she's not as optimistic about the future as I am and I'm trying to bring her around. Uh, you know, whether it's the pandemic or climate change, talking to her about uh, there is a path. There's a path, it's fun. Um, I know Dr. Fauci is your first guest and it's a really, really fun podcast. It's fun to hear the both of you and the dynamic that you have. And I hope a lot of people will tune in because it's just a different way to listen to these conversations. Um, as for you joining me on the show, thank you again for taking the time. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Good luck with everything, including the conspiracy theories. And uh, hopefully I'll see you on the other side of the tunnel. Yeah. In person, someday. someday. In person, my friend. See you then. All right. Bye-bye. Don't forget, Bill Gates and Rashida Jones Ask Big Questions is available at the link below and everywhere else that you listen to podcasts. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight, everybody. But before we go, Thanksgiving is coming up. And in the era of corona, Homebound seniors are at a greater risk than ever before, especially those who don't know where their next meal is coming from. Now, Meals on Wheels is an organization that is out there in the streets delivering meals to elderly Americans every single day to keep them safe and nourished in communities across the country. So if you can help them out, 
and you want to support any of the work that they do, then please donate at the link below. Until next time, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and remember, a face mask doesn't just protect you from coronavirus, it'll also absorb any hair dye before it drips into your mouth. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 